Disappointment comes to us in a variety of ways. There's kind of a scale of disappointment. On one end of the scale, you have things like that disappointment that you feel when the next lifesaver in the role is a green one. I'm not going to ask you if you like the green ones, but I know very few people who do like the green ones, and so it's always a bummer. My wife likes the green ones, wouldn't you know it? That probably leads to the next lesson on sharing. Okay. You may also find things on that side of the scale when you take the milk out of the refrigerator and there's not quite enough to cover the cereal the way you like. Any number of small disappointments, they're on one side of the scale. And then you've got the other side of the scale. And on the other side of the scale are things like when the doctor comes in and says, I need to tell you, your cancer treatment didn't work like we thought it would. And that's, that's on the other side of the scale. Or when you come to that realization that no matter how hard you're going to work at it, you're not going to get away from this foreclosure on your house. That's the other side of the disappointment scale. Now, I need to tell you, disappointments are common to us all. They come in all sizes or shapes, all colors, but they're real. Disappointments are real, and they're going to happen to us. I like what Jim Feibig said. He said, age does not diminish the extreme disappointment of having a scoop of ice cream fall from the cone. I want to confess to you that this past week, uh, I've been through a little valley of disappointment myself. It was with great anticipation that we expected on this Sunday for the search team and the elders to present to you a very qualified, capable, gifted candidate to serve as a pastor of worship in small groups. There was a great deal of build-up, a great deal of anticipation, of expectation that that would happen. And, And so it caught us completely by surprise Monday evening and Tuesday morning when he withdrew his name from consideration. And I want to tell you, On the scale of disappointment, it did not rank over there with green lifesavers. Nor even with a scoop of ice cream falling off the cone, even if it were bluebell homemade vanilla. It was a little further on the other end of the scale. Disappointment. What is it? Well, disappointment is that sense of discouragement that you feel when your hopes or expectations are not met. That's a pretty good working definition. That may not be what you find in Webster's, but but that's about accurate. Discouragement, being down, when the things that you expected to happen or hoped to happen didn't happen in quite the way you wanted them to do. Proverbs 13, 12 is something that went through my heart and mind this week. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And like many of you, my heart was a little sick this week because of hope not coming through like we had expected. Now, I want to tell you, it's not the end of the world. Not by a long shot. Because all the way through, I and the search team and the elders had prayed, God, if this isn't what you want, even though it seems right, it seems that you're leading in this, If this isn't what you want, 
then God, we want you to put up a stop sign. We need you to end it. And evidently, and our trust and our hope is that that is precisely what God did. He put up the stop sign and said, I've got something else for you. Don't go this way any further. We're also blessed, highly blessed, to have such capable, gifted people who serve us in our small group ministry and in our worship ministry. We are blessed to have them. And so when we talk about disappointment, the disappointment is not with what we have. The disappointment comes from what we expected that didn't come to pass. That is the essence of what disappointment is. And it's something that is common to each and every one of us. And since all of us face disappointment from time to time, since all of us face discouragement, we need to wrestle with how to deal with it. Disappointments really come from four main sources. The first is we can be disappointed with self. We can be disappointed with ourselves. The second is that we can be disappointed with others. And if you haven't learned it yet, people will disappoint you. The third is that we can be disappointed with our circumstances. This is one of those circumstances. But there's certainly plenty that disappoint us. And finally, we can be disappointed with God. Now, when we're disappointed with ourselves, it means that we haven't lived up to our own expectations or we haven't lived up to the expectations of others. And we become disappointed with with ourselves, of our performance, what we have or haven't done. When we're disappointed with others, it means we've been let down. They're the people who've hurt us by their words, by their actions, or by what they didn't say or didn't do. We can be disappointed by circumstances. Things don't go right. Life isn't always fair. And if you won't think me blasphemous, we can be disappointed with God. When our prayers aren't answered the way that we want them to be answered, when things don't go exactly like we had anticipated and hoped, we look to God and we often express our disappointment with the one single question. Why? Why, God, did you allow this to happen to me, to my family? What I want to say this morning, if you haven't figured it out, is that disappointment is real. And it's common to each and every one of us. And so we need to determine how to deal with disappointment when it comes. If it's inevitable, if you know it's coming, what do you do with it? Well, first of all, you have to admit your disappointment. That's the first thing. Ignoring it is no good. You don't don't need to hide your disappointment. If you're disappointed, then you're in good company. Because I promise you that there are people who are sitting here this morning who carry with them some disappointment. And we can also flip back through the pages of Scripture. And we can find people there who were disappointed. Think back to David. King David, the man who should have had it all, and yet one of David's own sons raped his half-sister. Do you think for a dad that might be a little bit disappointing? He had another of his sons who killed a son of his. Do you think that might have been a little disappointing? Or the Apostle Paul, maybe not quite as far on that end of the scale, 
But here the Apostle Paul has a co-worker who in the middle of a mission trip abandons him. That's disappointment. And I think of Jesus as he was on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem, knowing what was going to come to pass. And he looked at the city and he wept because they were like a sheep without, without a shepherd. And he came to be their shepherd, but they would reject him and crucify him. Disappointment. It's a very human thing. It's a very human response. When our hopes are not fulfilled or our dreams crash and burn, we become disappointed. And we can pretend it doesn't bother us, and boy, doesn't that look noble. Doesn't that look noble? But I'm here to tell you, if you take your disappointments and you shove them in a drawer, put them under the bed, or sweep them under the rug, I promise you, I promise you, they won't evaporate. You need to admit it, and it's only when that we admit our disappointments that we can begin to deal with them and move in a positive direction away from those disappointments. Don't hide them from God. It is not a lack of faith to be disappointed. It is a lack of faith to believe God can't handle your disappointments. And so admit them. Secondly, avoid hurtful responses. When you're disappointed, avoid hurtful responses. Think back to a time that you were disappointed. It may not have to be too far back. Perhaps it was something that someone said or or did to you that disappointed you and hurt you. Perhaps it was something you expected, a raise, a promotion, a, a job, a ring, all kinds of things that you could expect that didn't come to pass. Or maybe it was something as serious as the loss of a child or the loss of a parent. How would you respond? Well, all kinds of ways we can respond, a variety of ways. Some of those ways are good and some aren't. You can withdraw, kind of pull back from people, go hide in a little cocoon. You can become depressed, dark cloud over you, walking around with a long face, want to just stay in a dark room somewhere. You can become angry. That's a fairly common response to disappointment. You lash out somehow. You can become bitter. You can also act out. Even though these are ways that people respond to disappointments, they're not very helpful, and they're often very hurtful. If we choose to be depressed and to retreat into ourselves, then what we sacrifice is the benefit and the blessing of loving friends and family who could be a source of encouragement, who could be a source of warmth and light, who could speak words of grace and act in gracious ways to us. We forfeit that when we withdraw, when we pull away from relationships, when we yield to anger, when we just seethe. You see, anger usually expresses itself in one of two ways either boiling or erupting. And neither one of those are going to be helpful. 
When we become angry, we end up pushing people away. The very people we need, at the very moment we need them, we push them away. And the Bible warns us about anger. That when we allow anger to to take root in us, it gives the devil a foothold in our lives. When we lash out, when we act out, then what we end up doing is planting more seeds of disappointment that we're going to harvest in the future. And we become bitter. When we become bitter, we end up poisoning our relationships. And we become a mere husk of the person that God created us to be. You see, disappointments can take us to a place of disobedience. But it doesn't have to be that way. But we need to be mindful of how we respond and not to act in hurtful ways when we're disappointed. A third response is this. We need to ask more than why. Now, it's not wrong to ask why. It doesn't show that you're an unbeliever if you ask, why is this happening? Think about Job. If you haven't read the book of Job in a while, it, it's, you could read it this afternoon. It's not overly lengthy. At times it's intriguing, at times it's depressing. But you know about Job. If you don't, let me tell you, Job was a man who had it all, including the favor of God, and he lost it all. I mean, he lost it all to the point where his wife walks up to him and says, just curse God and die. You've lost your family, you've lost your income, you've lost your possessions, you've lost everything, and even though I'm alive, you lost me too. He's a man that lost everything. And in the book of Job, he's willing to ask why. Why God? And he's got friends, and his friends come around, and for a while they're pretty good because they just come out to the garbage dump where he's gone. He's sitting there just kind of scraping his sores that he has now, his boils with, with broken pieces of pottery in the junkyard. And his friends just walk out there, probably dressed nicely, and just plop themselves down and sit there with him in the midst of the ashes. That was a good thing. They were there for him in the time of his need. It's when they opened their mouths that things started going south and tried to explain to him why all this stuff was happening, which may be a good hint for us As we go ministering the lives of hurting people, what they need from us more than our words and our platitudes is our presence. And sometimes the best thing we can do is just go sit in the ashes with them and say, I don't know what you need and I don't know what to say, but I'm here. But Job asked why. His friends thought they knew why and they weren't much help. And then God speaks up. And I'm going to tell you basically what God says. That doesn't mean you get out of reading the book of Job. I'd encourage you to do it. But this is basically what God says to Job. Job, even if I explained it to you, you wouldn't understand it. Well, thanks, God. That's awfully satisfying. But when we're going through disappointments, you know, quite frankly... 
That's sometimes the answer to the question. When we ask God why, sometimes He gives us the answer why. And sometimes He's going to say, I'm sorry. I can't reveal that to you right now. You're going to have to trust me. And that's one of the hardest things we ever have to hear from God. But you can ask why. It's okay. I'm just telling you, you may not get the answer you want. So let me give you two other questions that you might want to think about asking when you're in the midst of disappointment. The first question is this. What can I learn from this? What can I learn from this situation? The second question is, where do I go from here? What can I learn from this, and where do I go from here? One question looks backward. The other question looks forward, and that's healthy. When you ask, what can I learn from this, sometimes you may discover that there was quite a bit. There was a better decision that could have been made. I talk to a lot of people who look back on their lives, and they face their disappointments, and they go, um, you know, I, I should have chosen a different kind of man. You know, I knew this was coming. I still made the choice. I should have made a better choice. Or I've talked to people who are in jail. There's a lot of people in jail who wish they'd made a better choice. There are things in the midst of your disappointments that you can learn by asking, what can I learn from that? What lessons are there? Other lessons might be, maybe I should have sought some godly counsel before I did this. Maybe I should have checked what I had in the bank before I did this. Maybe I should have checked the law before I did this. Maybe I should have checked with God before I did this. There are lessons that can be learned as you're in the midst of disappointment about what you could do. But you don't want to be paralyzed by just looking backward. You also want to look forward. And if you stop with just asking why and looking backward, you can end up living in the midst of your disappointment and never moving beyond it. When you ask, where do I go from here, what you're saying is, God, I believe that there is something more than this right now. I believe you have a plan. You have a purpose for my life. I do not think that I am simply a pinball bouncing around with no rhyme or reason. I believe, God, you have a plan. You have a purpose. You have a hope for me. Which leads us to the fourth point. What do we do with our disappointment? Choose to trust God. Could have just put trust God in there. But I think it's important that you hear choose to trust God. When I face disappointments, discouragement in my life, when I become a little bit disillusioned, when things aren't going quite like I want them to, and life isn't fair, there are many verses of Scripture that I can turn to, but there's one that I keep like a life vest near me. And that is Romans eight twenty-eight. Now, it's on the screen, but I want you to open your Bibles if you brought them to Romans eight twenty-eight. And there's a reason. If you've got a pen or a pencil... If not, if you've got one of the little uh, tab things you can put in there, little bookmark things you can put in there, if not, dog ear the page. I'm telling you folks, there comes a time in life where you're in the midst of disappointment and disillusionment. You are going to need this verse. 
You're going to need to hold on to it, to cling to it, because this is what it says, and I believe it with all my heart. And we know that in all things, all things, in the Greek that means all things, okay, good, bad, indifferent, all things. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, to those who have been called according to his purpose. Folks, I've got to tell you, when all else fails, I cling to that verse. I choose to cling to that verse. When all else fails, when I'm disappointed, I either have to believe it or not. Does God have a plan for me, a purpose for me, or not? Even when it doesn't feel good, and even when I don't understand, I choose to believe God has a plan and a purpose. I choose to trust God and His plan. And folks, it is a choice. It is a choice. Now, you may be going through some disappointment in your life right now. If not, just give it a little while. Because I have learned a few things in nearly a half century of life. And among those things is add disappointments to death and taxes as certainties in life. They come. Sometimes they come in abundance. And with great frequency. And here's what I want to do. I want to help you. And here's how I want to help you. I want to point you back to the one who can truly help you. During the uh, hurricane season, if, when we lived in Savannah, they made a big deal about hurricane preparedness. That there were certain things that you needed to have stored up just in case a hurricane were to come through and you'd lose power for a lengthy period of time. There were dry goods, there were canned goods, there was propane, water, various things like that that you're going to need, flashlights and batteries and a radio that runs off the batteries. Those are kinds of things that you just need to have. It's hurricane preparedness. You may never use them, but if you need them, they're there. And, and I want to give you a disappointment preparedness kit in the form of some verses from God's Word. And I'm serious about this. This is not, this is not I'm, please don't think I'm making light of it. I'm very serious about this. Because we know disappointments and disillusionment are common to us all. And sometimes we don't know what do we do with these things and how, do I, how, is, how is it going to build my faith in the midst of it. And I've got some verses that we're going to put on the screen and share with you. But... I want to ask you to take your grace notes. In your grace notes, these verses are printed on the inside under scriptural resources when you face disappointment. And I know that some of you actually use this for your class and then you throw it away. Some of you actually keep some of these things, which is kind of encouraging. But I'm going to ask you to keep this one. You can just cut out everything else if you don't want, want the rest of it. But I want to ask you to keep this, and there's a reason. This is a resource for times of disappointment. This is your disappointment preparedness 
kit. These are verses that have meant something to me and to others when facing disappointment. I just want to share them with you as we conclude this message this morning. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And in Genesis 50, 20, these are the words that Joseph spoke to his brothers after they'd sold him into slavery, after they'd left him for dead, basically. And now he ends up being second in command, kind of the prime minister of Egypt with the authority to have them executed. This is what he says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. 2 Corinthians four seventeen, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. When disappointments cast its dark shadows, and heavy gloom surrounds. Trust in him who holds you close. In him, your hope abounds.